0: So that's there's this beside you and me. And we go for it here. In three, two. Back in off of another weekend. Not a big championship weekend, but nonetheless there was some boxing action and there is some news. It is the Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast. I am the not so rested host after a long weekend for me that saw me to uh, get to the home of Deontay Wilder, the Bronze Bomber, the uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I was in Tuscaloosa for the Alabama-Mississippi State football broadcast on national radio. Won by the Tide. Deontay's probably happy about that.
1: Well, did and you find the statue?
0: I did. Not, I, I I asked two people where is the statue, and 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 one of them said City Hall, which I don't know if that's right, and I I wasn't near City Hall, and the other one doesn't know where it is. And these are Alabama people. Anyway, I'm TJ. TJ, TJ. There's Dan Rayfield. I need need Google Maps. I need you. I need somebody to help me with where that statue is. But I did ask and inquire to go get my photo. I want to get my selfie. Anyway, uh, we're in here. I was in Alabama. I then flew to Charlotte, North Carolina. And no, I do not want to talk about whatever that was with the Panthers who are bad and my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm trying not to be crotchety, but my man Ray Field's been all over the boxing. He's ready to do the recap. He's somewhat crotchety because the Yankees have been losing, but the Giants and the Jets in the NFL have won, so New York's got mixed review. I couldn't care less about the Jets. You're upset about the Yankees. I understand that. You understand that I can't do anything about that. Uh I understand you can't do anything about the Panthers holding my Buccaneers to three points. So we'll let, let's move on and talk boxing, shall we? On a podcast. who ever thought the Giants would be six and one? Are you kidding me? I, hey, that, that is one of thing. the stories of the year right now in pro football is the job Brian Dable's done. All right, so that's got you in a good mood. Let's talk a little boxing. And again, a quick reminder, however, you found us, social media link, Dan Substack, which is the Fight Freaks Unite Substack, BigFightWeekend.com. You want to follow or subscribe because we have the preview podcast going into the weekend, Big Fight Weekend preview. And then we have the Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast coming. But once again, you do not have to be prompted by social media, by a website, by an email newsletter that Dan has. All you got to do is follow or subscribe and then tell them again what they get when there's a new show out. I want to hear it from you today. You get a, a light. You get a ding. You get a, you get a bell. You get a vibrate. You get a banner, I'm told. Sometimes it gives you a quick little alert there on your phone. New podcast just like if you were following or subscribing later on Sunday night or into Monday morning, you got an alert. In my case, it's a red light that blinks on the phone that tells me something is new, that something is there. So uh, again, make sure you're following, make sure you're subscribing. Thank you to the audience that continues to grow and continues to grow on the big fight weekend podcast feed. And with that all said, let's get into it. When we left on the preview mode, we had a couple of fight cards, one in Atlantic city, one in Mexico. So I did get to see uh, the Friday night battle between Isaiah uh, Steen and uh, Senna Agbeko. Uh, This was Atlantic City. This is super middleweights. And I got to tell you, there was not a lot of action. There was not a lot of great enthusiasm in the ballroom at Bally's. Agbeko deserves credit for the win. All right, there's my feelings on that. Please recap it because it was a bit of an upset in the Showbox main event.
1: Well, it was. uh, I would call. I refer to it as a mild upset. Remember when we spoke about it on our Bet U.S. show? I did pick Steen, and I said to you, I'm not at all confident in this pick. I know uh, uh, Egbeko was a a substantial underdog, but I was never too sold necessarily on that Steen was going to win. Looking at the things in his youth and the other guy coming in on sort of late notice, I was like, all right, I'm going to take the flyer and and go with the favorite. You know what? He didn't win the fight. Uh, It was not a good fight. Uh, you know, on paper, it looked like it was a lot better than it turned out for the Showbox main event. Uh, again, on two weeks' notice, they had to switch things up a little bit. Uh, and it was a good save. It just didn't play out the way that I thought it might play out in terms of being uh, that entertaining. But, you know, the, the, the guys on the Showtime broadcast had it really, really close. Uh, Steve Farr, who I have massive respect for, my longtime buddy, he had to fight a draw. The official judges had it uh, ranging from 98, 92, 97, 93, 96, 94 for Egbeco. I thought uh, that he eked it out. Uh, I thought 98-92 was a bit wide, but it, you know, at the end of the day, he won the fight. Close, not a particularly good fight, but it, kind of an upset, and he takes down the undefeated Isaiah Steen, hands him his first loss, which uh, if you talk to the people at Showtime and their PR team and Gordon Hall, who runs the show, um, they, they they don't necessarily love giving guys losses, but they're proud of the fact that they've made compelling type of matches where and, you know, numerous, dozens and dozens, and probably more than a 100 at this point, where they've had an undefeated fighter take their first loss on the show, oftentimes because it's two undefeated fighters fighting against each other. Uh, but look, Egbeco, he may not be the number one contender, but he's in the super middleweight division. He would probably be a tough out for just about anybody. I love the fact that because he is uh, based out of Nashville, even though he's from Africa, he was calling out Caleb Plant after the fight. Caleb Plant yes, is a was. Nashville native. I mean, I don't know if that fight probably won't happen, but, uh, you know, if Caleb Plant's looking to stay busy and can't get one of the big title fights, there's nothing wrong with that fight. But again, uh, you know, just, a, just a, a good fight on paper didn't turn out to be the best fight in the ring. The, the fight that was the good fight on that triple header uh, was the opening fight. It was, again, these are late-notice fights based on uh, the changes that were made to the card before. The first fight was worth watching. I mean, if you haven't seen it, watch the replay. It was a heavyweight fight between two undefeated fighters, Moses Johnson uh, from, uh, uh, Long Island, New York and Elvis Garcia from Mexico. And they just went to battle. They just slugged it out. It was a terrific fight. I mean, I don't think any guy, either guys really like going anywhere to be quite honest with you. They may have put themselves in position to be like a good opponent for somebody. Um, but it was an exciting, fun fight, two heavyweights of marginal talent just in there banging it out with each other as a close fight. Uh, Johnson won a majority decision, but the, uh, the scores were 75, seven, 77, 75 twice. And, 76 76 and just a just a fun exciting heavyweight fight
0: and i did see a little bit of that and i thought it was interesting because barry tompkins was saying in the main event fight okay we had an opening fight with heavyweights that had so much action and was so close and competitive it was tough to score and now we have a main event fight where neither guy's doing very much and and for an opposite reason it's very tough to score so you had opposite ends of the spectrum there just real quick one more time
1: yeah i mean it was uh if you're going to watch the show, watch the main event first and then watch the opening fight second. And then the, the co feature Marquise Taylor against uh, Marlon Hunt, uh, Harrington, uh, which was a, a junior middleweight uh, uh, ma- match, an eight rounder. You know, not, nothing spectacular, nothing really worth uh, too much conversation on. Taylor wins a wide decision, uh, and we move on with our life.
0: And we did move on to Saturday here on the Recap Podcast. We did talk on the Bet US show some about Mauricio Laura. In the picture for a world title shot at 126 pounds and he delivered. He delivered a knockout. So I had the KO on the Bet US show and he got the knockout. Tell me more because I got to be truthful. I've only seen the video clip of the knockout that he did he dominate and set this up. Uh, again, with yeah. all the travel, I didn't see a lot of the fight, but he was obviously impressive and got the veteran San Martin out of there early.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, San Martin, one thing about him, even though he had five losses going in, he'd only even stop once before. That was about four years ago against a top-notch fighter, Emmanuel Navarette, So he, he he seemed to be a durable guy, but large. And that took them till the 12th round or the 10th round or whatever it was for Navarrete to to him late, late in that fight. Uh, Lara just marched right through him. He's, he's probably one of the most exciting fighters in boxing right now, Mauricio Lara. Uh, he is on the doorstep of a world title fight. He'll get a world title fight because he's with Matchroom Boxing. They're the promoter of Lee Wood, who's got the second-tier title. They're the promoter of Josh Warrington, who's got the IBF title. He has uh, a history with both guys for different reasons, and uh, Eddie Hearn said after the fight that we got to get him the big fight. Uh, but he looked really good against Sam Martin. Uh, one of those kind of fights where starts out, picks up the pace as it goes along, and then by the by the uh, the round in which he scored the knockout, you know, he had said in his pre-fight prediction that he was going to get uh, Sam Martin out of there before the end of the fourth round, and that's exactly what he did, getting rid of him in uh, in the third round uh, with two knockdowns and and one with a right hand, one with a left hook. And one was on a delayed reaction. was a real nice knockdown. And then when he got up, he just was all over him and just pounding him and pounding him. And uh, when he finally dropped him again with a nice shot, referee had no choice but to stop it. It was a good stoppage. Uh, and, and Mauricio Lara was, was very happy and excited to be fighting at Me- in Mexico City, which is his hometown. He hadn't fought there for a few years. And uh, he had Navarrete there was, was on site cheering him on. Isaac Pitbull Cruz was there cheering him on. You know, his Mexican countryman who he has a lot of respect for. I mean, if you're if you're Mauricio Lara, life is good right now because you are a top contender. You're you're drawing crowds. You're putting on exciting fights. You're winning. You're making you know, good money compared to what you were a couple of years ago. Remember, this is this is one of the great stories in boxing. Today. In, in February of 2021, even to the most diehard boxing fans, you didn't know who Mauricio Lara was. He was just an obscure guy sort of cobbling together, a living on some smaller cards in Mexico. And when Matchroom Boxing was looking for an opponent for Josh Warrington who had given up the IBF title, Uh, he wasn't interested in having a rematch mandated against Kid Galahad, and he had other business to go for and and bigger things to think about. They put him in this fight with Mauricio Lara. Supposed to be, you know, he was like, you know, had a couple of losses, 22-2 and or something like that at the time, and he was supposed to steamroll right through him. And Mauricio Lara flew to England, and he kicked Josh Warrington's ass. He beat him pillar to post. He knocked him down. He knocked him out. He broke his jaw. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. a dominating victory. It was, just, you know, handed Warrington his first loss, and uh, it was a huge upset, one of the upsets of the year that year. And then they did an immediate rematch, and it looked like he might be on his way to having another dominating victory against Warrington. Unfortunately, they had a terrible head clash in the second round, and it caused the fight to be called a technical draw. And he didn't get the third fight right away. He went on, he won another fight, and then he was supposed to get the title fight again, in at least the secondary title anyway, against Lee Wood. That was supposed to be uh, about a month ago. And Lee Wood, two weeks before the fight, pulled out of the fight. Said he had a biceps injury, and the fight was canceled. And so Lara was put into this spot, you know, on not you know on short notice, just to make up for the lost fight that he had in terms of it being canceled. And they match him up in this fight with San Martin. He looked terrific. And now, the question is, is he going to get the big fight? So Eddie Hearn said after the show, he was there ringside. We got to get him the big fight. He wants to do the third Warrington fight. Warrington has a mandatory defense against uh, Luis Lopez coming up. Uh, on December the 10th, also in his hometown, Leeds, England, where he also had the fight with uh, with uh, with Laura. And he's got to win that fight. And then he got to figure if Eddie uh, sticks to the plan, which is what he was talking about before the fight and after the fight of Laura that has won his fight, which he did. And now Warrington, he's got to take care of Lopez. They look to make that third fight. And then there's still Lee Wood out there now. Nobody knows what's going to be for sure with him. He's ordered to fight Santa Cruz uh, in the fight that will not, that has just so far not happened. Uh, but that could be another option down the road. And Laura was like, I want both guys. And my main focus is Warrington. I want to, uh, you know, end his career. So
0: that's an exciting fight. <laughs> All right. We'll see if that one gets made for the reasons that you just laid out right there. It should get made and it has some interest. Uh, and I know you want to touch on one other fight backing up to Thursday. The DeZone prospect show, the Golden Boy Fight Night, and Floyd Schofield, a lightweight prospect. Tell us
1: more about what you saw since we're in the recap mode off the weekend. Well, I just thought that it was worth mentioning. I know this wasn't the biggest card in the world. Golden Boy does a handful of these shows where they have, it's like their Thursday night series. It's prospect related, up and coming fighters. And they signed this kid, Floyd Schofield, uh, I don't know, maybe like a month and a half ago. They had put him on a previous card. They didn't have a contract with him. They liked what they saw. They then signed to a contract. He's 20 years old. He's out of Austin, Texas. He now is uh, 12 and 0 with the victory. And he looks like a really outstanding prospect, young guy. And they put him in with uh, Daniel Rosas, you know, a a veteran uh, out of Mexico. And obviously he was the favorite to win, but he didn't just win the fight, TJ. If you go and you look at the clip, he just pulverized him. It only took him 97 seconds. He just blew him away with a beautiful left hook on the chin. And, uh, you know, I asked some people, you know, to give me their scouting report about Schofield. This was even before the fight happened. And uh, one, one veteran matchmaker that I know that, you know, follows the sport very closely and knows fighters from their company, knows fighters from other people's companies. I said, what do you think? Is this kid Schofield that Golden Boy signed? Is he legit? Said he has a chance to be something very special. So I watched the fight with interest. And, uh, you know, as a 20-year-old kid with all those knockouts who has a good smile and spoke well and fights in a, in a fan-friendly kind of style, I don't know, to me, it's somebody to keep an eye on. Always nice to see some uh, fresh faces emerge that might be uh, somebody to look at for the future in terms of being at that championship level and somebody that can maybe excite some people when they get in the ring.
0: Hope you enjoy here on the podcast that Dan's giving you insight in the recap mode and a little look ahead. Uh, to what might happen down the road for a prospect in Floyd Schofield. Remember that name? He's now under the Golden Boy Promotion Stable out of Austin, Texas. All right, a few minutes left here. We covered the Tyson Fury-Derek Chisora announcement thoroughly in the preview mode because that press conference was Thursday. We talked about it on the Bet US show. You can go watch the video where we talked a bunch about Fury-Chisora kind of in the betting preview mode with the early odds out. All right, so the guy that Fury knocked out in his last fight when he fought last was Dillian White, his fellow, his fellow countryman. So now, as it turns out, Dillian White is going to be in action the week before the Fury-Chisora fight fighting American Jermaine Franklin. What do you think of this? What do you make of this? Because it's the announcement uh, that White is back.
1: I don't think anybody expected after, after Dillian White was knocked out by Tyson Fury in their championship fight back in April that he was going to retire. <clears throat> that uh, <clears throat> The fact that he's coming back is in no way a surprise. Uh, and uh, for them to take on Franklin seems like a pretty reasonable fight. Jermaine Franklin for a long time was considered by many as the number one American heavyweight prospect. He's been a disappointment, to be quite honest. He's undefeated, fair enough, but uh, when you watch his fights, first of all, he's been very inactive. Second of all, when he's fought, he hasn't really impressed very much at all. He had a fight that was supposed to be against a fellow prospect named Stefan Shaw, uh, two undefeated guys that was supposed to take place uh, on a Ring City card that ended up being uh, canceled. It was COVID-related. Uh, and so the fight was never rescheduled which was kind of a disappointment and so he hasn't fought in a while Franklin now gets this opportunity so he's going overseas to take on White maybe he's got him in the right spot because Dillian White although a big name and has been a good contender for a long time is coming off of a pretty rough knockout loss against Tyson Fury so Franklin maybe thinks he can get him at the right moment and for White chance to come back uh, you know take an undefeated American opponent into the ring and see if he can you know make some hay out of that I mean Franklin is, is, uh, is 21 and oh, and he's no young guy. He's 29 years old. And like I said, been somewhat inactive, was a really good amateur, but, uh, you know, hasn't been in the greatest shape for recent fights. Hasn't been exciting in recent fights. It's kind of not looked the best. He is still undefeated. And so for Dillian white to come back in that kind of fight, you know, I can't tell you it's the biggest fight ever, but uh, there's some, there's some mild intrigue there. I'm actually interested to see how he reacts after the knockout. And I'm looking to see if Jermaine Franklin can finally impress me and the masses, uh, you know, even though he's had all this, these accolades and the press clippings and the and the undefeated record, but has fallen short in my opinion of the hype he has received. So this is a chance for him to maybe uh, do something to uh, live up to that hype.
0: Can I just tell you, and I'm not being crotchety, just in a bad mood. Um, I'm not, and obviously you have great insight. You keep up with this much more closely than I do. I got zero interest in Dillian White now at this point. I mean, just from the standpoint that he's not a U.S. fighter. And after all the shenanigans and all the games with the drug test with Oscar Rivas and blah blah blah. And then Alexander Povetkin starched him. That that to me delegitimized him. Is that a correct word? As a contender, anyway. Now Fury's beaten him. He's gonna why continue would being, to fight on. Why I, would I just, being,
1: yeah, but why would being knocked out by Alexander Povetkin delegitimize you? I mean, he's Alexander Povetkin, Povetkin not, was 41 years old when he starched okay. him. Okay. Listen, I'm not telling you that it's the greatest fight ever. I'm right. saying if you like heavyweight fights, you know, you, you like to see some action, some knockouts, and maybe this is a chance to do something. And just because right. Dillian White lost against Fury doesn't mean with a victory against somebody like Franklin can't set himself up for some other, whoever, pick a name of, of guys that we want to see match up with other quality guys. And and also, as I point out, if Franklin indeed cuts the win and looks good in it, you now have an undefeated American coming off of a victory against Dillian White who can put himself in position to get some other significant fight that's all i'm saying i'm not i'm not trying to sell it
0: speaking of heavyweights that just dovetails right into jared big baby anderson because they've officially confirmed him for the top rank show that is upcoming on december 10th that you've already been talking about headlined by teofimo lopez tell us more about real big baby anderson
1: well he's been said i've been told by top rank he's on the show the the opponent they have not announced it officially but the sources involved with the event uh have said to me and other outlets that he will. In fact, Jared Anderson, of course is the number one heavyweight prospect more legitimately. So certainly than Jared, I mean, than uh, than, uh Jermaine Franklin, in any event, he's 12 and 0, 12 knockouts, only 22 years old from Toledo, Ohio. He'll be on that card. And they're matching him up with Jerry Forrest, who is a very solid, you know, gatekeeper ish type of opponent who has been in the ring with some very solid guys. He's got some losses, but people who pay attention know that, uh, That he, even though he's 0-2-2 in his last four fights, Jerry Forrest, who's a southpaw also, which will be another wrinkle for uh, Jared Anderson to deal with. In those four fights that he's uh, had the losses and the draws with, they are losses by decision to Kubrat Pulev, two-time world title challenger, uh, Carlos Takam, former world title challenger, and draws that were somewhat controversial against Michael Hunter, which was a terrible decision. He definitely won that fight. That was a travesty. And then a very close draw, uh, draw. uh, that could have maybe gone either way against that Chinese heavyweight Zhang Zilai uh, in, a, in a pretty good fight. So, you know, the, the, the marks on his record, the, the, the negatives on his record are all forgivable types of fights. And he is by far, in a way, by like, uh, you know, multiples, uh, a big step up for Jared Anderson. I mean, I expect Anderson to handle his business, but Jerry Forrest is no easy out for pretty much anybody. So if Jared Anderson goes in there and just rips right through him the way he's done against all these other opponents that he has faced since he's turned professional... That's just a great step for him.
0: All right, fair enough. Again, that's the December 10th show, Teofimo Lopez headlining uh, on that card. Speaking of top rank, they have also signed another prospect. Speaking of prospects, this is an 18-year-old who has been a decorated amateur in Emiliano Vargas. And if that name is familiar, it should be. That Vargas name should sound familiar.
1: Yes, he is the 18-year-old fighting son of the former two-time junior middleweight champion and one of the most popular fighters of his time, Fernando Vargas. He has, uh, Emiliano has two older brothers who are also Fernando's sons who are boxing, but Emiliano is, I guess, considered the best of the bunch in terms of his professional prospects, let's say, his, uh, his upside. He was 110 and 10 as an amateur. Uh, he turned professional back in the spring on the uh, Triller card that was headlined by uh, S- uh, Sergei Kovalev And uh, he was one of, along with his brothers, who were not paid by Triller at the beginning. Finally, I guess they took care of the uh, the payment situation. Everybody, you know, the the fighters were finally paid off that card. But in any event, uh, he did not have any promotional entanglements, so he is now free and clear of Triller and Top Rank has liked what they've seen, Uh, and they've signed him to a contract. And they they think that the combination of his amateur background, his youth, um, what he looked like in his professional debut, obviously he's got a very marketable name and coming from the, the family of Fernando Vargas, who, again, in his day, as exciting as it got. I mean, a former Olympian, uh, won the title twice at Junior Middleweight, fought everybody, uh, had great fights with Felix Trinidad and Oscar De La Hoya and I Corte and uh, Winky Wright. I mean, just, you know, fought a lot of quality guys. I always get asked a lot by people, especially this time of year, when it's time to cast the ballots for the Hall of Fame. And Fernando Vargas uh, has been on that boxing Hall of Fame ballot for a long time. And people say, you know, is he a Hall of Famer? Uh, to me, I haven't voted for Fernando Vargas. To me, he's like a he's just, he falls just shy of being in the Hall of Fame, but that does not detract from how good he was in his best days and, and how much excitement and popularity he had at, at uh, you know during his heyday. And uh, if his son can can fight you know anything close to that, you know, we're in for a good ride with this kid who's only 18 years old. All right, so look
0: for the name Emiliano Vargas coming up on uh top ranked shows after signing. Incidentally, of- he'll
1: turn pro. Uh, just so the people know, on November 12th, they have an ESPN Plus card taking place at the Palms in, in Las Vegas. The main event that night is uh, Janabek Al McAnuli making his first uh, middleweight title defense against Denzel Bentley and uh, Emiliano Vargas's first fight with Top Rank. Right. The second fight of his professional career will be on that undercard.
0: We uh, we love the insight that Dan has. We're here for a few more moments. Uh, also on the Showbox card, they made a pu- uh, publicity announcement that an upcoming uh, WBA Super middleweight, regular super middleweight uh, title fight involving David morell the Cuban defector. This is always interesting to me. He's a Cuban defector, but he's based now on a Minnesota, which from a climate standpoint, you can't have much more opposite than Cuba versus Minnesota. But morell has got a little bit of a fan following here, and he's going to be in the ring coming
1: up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, he's going to headline that card on November the 5th. Uh, they put it up on, the sh- on their uh, Showbox uh, event. Then they sent out, you know, within a few days after that, the, the full press release with the uh, – Particulars on the full show. So like you mentioned, like he is a Cuban, but he does draw, they fight the fights at this place called the armory in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. It's a, a popular venue for uh, PBC boxing. They've had a number of cards there. And whenever David Morrell fights there, he has drawn very good crowds. So they're building something with him. Uh, he's still a very young fighter in terms of his professional experience. He's only seven and zero with six knockouts, but he, he, he won the secondary title back in like his maybe his third or fourth fight third fight I think it was um you know technically he's the man a mandatory for Canelo Alvarez but the WBA has not ordered that fight yet and when we talk about the WBA and all the the issues of getting down to one uh, title holder per weight class I really can't argue with them having not ordered that yet because they know it's not going to happen at least in the immediate future and it would look pretty weird to see a guy 7-0 like Morel uh challenging somebody like Canelo Alvarez with 60 something or 50 plus fights so uh, they're letting this one kind of lie low for the time being. In any event, he has a mandatory against Eidos Yerbo Sanuli from Kazakhstan. <laughs> uh, you did a great job with that name. I didn't even try it. Keep going. I, I tried. And anyway, though, you know, he beat a guy named Lennox Allen uh, to become the mandatory, which is a fighter that that David Morrell also uh, went to 12-round distance with. So, that you know, for what that's worth, they have a common opponent. Anyway, that's the main event. It's not, uh, you know, People have to understand that when you, when it comes to ESPN shows to Showtime championship boxing cards, to the ma- to the matchroom boxing cards on the zone, there's, they have the same title in terms of what the program is called, but they have different levels of what the, what the budget is, let's say. So this is, I guess, a smaller budget Showtime championship boxing card compared to their bigger shows. The same way we see, you know, for every uh, Lomachenko type fighter, Shakur Stevenson, and Valdez we see on a top rank card we may see a card that's maybe not nearly that kind of big budget, like when, when, uh, Janodek won his title, for example, or won the interim title. So this is that level for showtime. And on the undercard, they have another up and coming fighter, junior middleweight, yo, Elvis Gomez, six and another Cuban fighter. He's taken on the former unified, uh, title holder, Jason Rosario, uh, who, so it's a step up for Gomez in terms of what he's fighting. And then in the other fight, they have a middleweight Fedor circassian from, uh, Ukraine taking on uh, the well-traveled journeyman, but uh, always tough out Nathaniel Gallimore in the opener fight.
0: And, and Morel, it just occurs to me, and we'll wrap it up here. He's at 168, where, again, as you mentioned, you've got David Benavides, who's a PVC fighter. You've got Caleb Plant, who's a PVC fighter. If they can't get their hands between the three of them on a chance at Canelo Alvarez, who has all the belts, maybe we see out of those three, two of them fight at some point.
1: You'd like would, to think so. You would I think. Mean, yeah, I mean, Morello, listen, again, he's only got to seven fights, but he's really talented. He has a massive amateur background because of his experience on the Cuban national team. And from my point of view, he's exciting. He's interesting to watch. He makes good fights. He seems like he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder fights in a very uh, high-energy kind of style and is worth watching. And, uh, you know, I can't, I can't tell you I know a whole lot about his opponent, Uh, It is a mandated fight. They're both undefeated. Hopefully we get a nice little uh, unexpected gem out of that.
0: Love this. You've had plenty here if you're a fight fan from Dan on everything off the weekend and the news. I haven't mentioned it to this point. It is Jake Paul Anderson Silva fight week. And Dan's taking a sip of a drink. Don't spit it out. That is coming later this week. I'm I'm looking forward to that. Glendale, Arizona. And we will be uh, writing about that, talking about that, building it up, talking about it on the big fight weekend preview. And then our bet us live boxing show on their YouTube platform and their social media platforms. We'll be talking about Jake, Paul, Anderson, Silva. You know, what we haven't,
1: it, yeah, it's coming up. We haven't covered is, is uh, maybe cause we're just uh, in denial. We haven't covered our disappointment about what happened with, uh, the implosion of the Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford fight, and Terrence Crawford's announcement.
0: Yeah, we haven't, be we haven't really covered that. Okay, so we covered it a little bit on the Bet US show. So we put the podcast to bed Thursday night, and then the reports came out. Crawford confirmed it, actually, that, hey, I'm going to be fighting December 10th. So give me a couple of quick thoughts here, because, again, we could go for 30 minutes. It's not happening so, uh, first of all, the Avanesian uh, fight, does that interest you slightly, some? Or is it just a stay-busy title defense for Crawford coming up? What well, I mean, think?
1: I don't know if you can call it stay-busy because he hasn't fought for a year. Uh, it, I mean, listen, Terrence Crawford's a great fighter, so it doesn't interest me very much because David Avanesian, in my humble estimation, has basically no there's, – there's no chance that he can win unless it's a perfect storm. There's an in-ring injury. Something happens to Crawford that we don't... Lucky punch. Lucky punch. You know, but even... I don't even think it's a lucky punch. I don't even think is that big of a puncher. You know, of course, if you hit a guy and he doesn't see the shot, I guess it could could change the way the fight goes. But something freakish would have to happen, in my opinion. If Terrence Crawford comes to the ring with his normal focus, always in good condition, and is ready to fight, then there's not a single thing that David Avanesian can do with him. It's just that big of a mismatch. Not because David's not that a decent fighter, but because he doesn't have any tools in the toolbox that can do anything against what Terrence Crawford possesses. Um, and I don't even, I mean, I saw early odds. I think somebody saw it said it was like 10 to 1 or something like that. To me, it could be 100 to 1. It could be 50 to 1. It could be 200 to 1. It's just, it's not a winnable fight. It's not, I don't think, a particularly good fight. And they're putting it on, I, I don't, honestly, as we sit here and speak, I can't remember the name. It was some BLK streaming, streaming service. I, I think never is what heard of it. it. I have no idea what they're, they're about. trying
0: to get on the map. Apparently
1: I, I looked at the website. I was like very reticent to think I might put my credit card in there. It looked like it was uh, <laughs> done been. by eighth graders. I mean, it just looked awfully, awfully sketchy, but he's um, behind
0: that somewhat. Cause he wants to get paid by them. So you would think they'd get better at it before the
1: December. I mean, he, flight. Terrence claims he's getting an eight figure payday. Now he may get eight figure payday by somebody that's stupid enough to put the money up. Good for them. I can't, I can't begrudge Terrence Crawford for taking, a big check for an easy night's work. He
0: said in the quotes that he did not want to wait till February because on the big fight weekend preview, you were talking about the February 4th date. Am I right? The Saturday in between uh, the NFC and AFC championship game and the Super Bowl and the football calendar. You were talking about that date. He, he came right out and said he did not want to wait into early next year. He wanted to go ahead and fight
1: somebody. If you tell me you don't want to wait because you don't have a deal that you're amenable to, quite yet. That's one thing. But if everything else is good, I don't want to hear about, it. you don't want, if, if the deal is okay, the waiting shouldn't be a factor. It's an extra couple of months. If you have a signed deal, you know, Errol Spence has never been the kind of guy that's pulling out of fights, you know, the fight can move forward. And so 15 months at the elite level is not a big deal. So to go and to put that at, you know, at risk for whatever reason, it could be an injury, it could be anything because you want to fight David And you know, I find that to be not acceptable. If you tell me that the deal wasn't done or it wasn't to your liking, and oh by the way, somebody's going to pay a ten million dollars for a fight that should be an easy piece and easy, easy work for you, then I, I can't really argue. See, I think you know it's what? door number two. What you yes, just said, I think it's probably. door number two. But at ten million dollars or whatever his real number is. I understand about lost leaders in business. People will spend money to and lose money, on per, not on purpose, but they know they're going to lose money because they're trying to make a big splash or they're trying to get their word out or how, however you want to talk about it. But that seems in the context of boxing, you don't need to lose that much money. You could pay Terrence Crawford, whatever, and against the David Avanesian and lose a lot less if he was willing to take that. To, to take that kind of a hit is bizarre because... Th- on that website i'm sorry there's no way that fight does any business of real means i mean think about it from this standpoint tj espn was behind terence crawford against sean porter they put that fight as a pay-per-view which is a, a fight that a lot of boxing fans were very interested in had a lot of good publicity both in yep. the general bo- uh, sports and meet boxing media plus a lot of hype from espn which when they start to blare the horns you know they can uh The word out about anything I know that very well, having worked there for as long as I did. Now they did make that only available on ESPN Plus, so you had to have a subscription to ESPN Plus and then buy the pay-per-view. But even that, there's a lot of people that had eyeballs that knew what was going on with that fight, and that fight tank that fight barely did a hundred thousand buys. So you tell me with no backing from ESPN Mm -hmm. and no backing from any real promotion outfit that I'm aware of on a website that has 41 Twitter followers when they, when I first looked at their, (laughs) and I think they're like at a hundred and something. Right. And that has never been heard of by anybody. And, and they're going to generate enough money to cover $10 million or to even get the masses to buy the fight. I'm sorry, that ain't happening. So good for Crawford. If he gets the money,
0: the yellow flag is out like NASCAR from Rayfield. He's saying caution, caution here on this, but again, he's just trying to get a fight to get active and have a fight for 2022 and get paid. We'll see how oh, it goes. You know,
1: I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, again, and, and, and on your door number two, on your I door number I want to be clear two. about this because I've taken a lot of grief on social media. If Terrence Crawford is getting that kind of money for this kind of easy fight, whoever it is, as long as, I mean, I would make sure the money was guaranteed so I don't have to go running around after the fact for it. But that, if those two things are the case, combined with the fact that he was not satisfied with the resolution of what the deal would read for the Errol Spence fight, I can't say that Crawford's making a mistake but it is aggravating to hear about the fact that waiting till February was somehow an issue when if everything else was good with the deal, waiting till February should not have been an issue. And it also kind of fucks up Errol Spence because he was ready to go. And now because Crawford's not going to fight him, even in February, Errol Spence is not getting a fight for the rest of this year either, because there are just no more dates left between now and the end of the year that you can mount a a significant pay-per-view that's not already taken up. So it's just a bad situation. And by the way, TJ, a week and a half ago, we were thinking we might get Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford in the fourth quarter, or at the very least, at the beginning of next year. And we also might get, in December, Anthony Joshua against Tyson Fury. And guess what, my man? We're not getting either one. Disappointing. That's why boxing sucks sometimes. Disappointing
0: on that. And we'll see what Spence ends up electing to do. And I, I wrote this in the Big Fight Weekend uh, piece because, again, you've you're far more plugged in. But I've got a couple of people here and there that I talked to and I had somebody at PBC that I checked with again, like as recently as a couple of weeks ago that said one of the big hang ups has remained that Terrence Crawford doesn't want to do a multi-fight deal with Premier Boxing Champions, including a potential rematch with Errol Spence. They could not come to an agreement on that point. So like you said, in terms of door number two, I can go ahead and take this opportunity, make some money, and maybe we still end up fighting and I don't have to have the multi-fight agreement with PBC, or maybe not, or maybe they're going to go their separate ways here. I'm not going to sing Journey on a Sunday night. I'm punchy, but I'm not singing Steve Perry and Journey in separate ways. But maybe they're going to go their separate ways, and they're not going to fight. Maybe this is what the indication
1: is. I mean, I know know PBC, again, according to the people on the PBC side, who are obviously not in agreement with what was going on the Crawford side, from what PBC side had said to me very clearly, we think we have an agreement with Crawford. We have sent him paperwork that we think has reflected the changes that were asked to be made that he should be good to go. And if he signs that contract, we will go on February 4th. Now it turned out that that was not the case because he didn't make the Avanesian fight with a snap of a finger overnight. Clearly he's had, again, my sources tell me that Terrence Crawford had that supposed final draft of an agreement sitting with him and his people since about October the 6th. Obviously, if he's announcing the David Avanesian fight, when he did, he, he sat on that contract. They went through the issues, and all the laundry list of things to do to make the Avenaccian fight. They made their deal with this uh, uh, streaming service to do the event. And I found it highly unusual that in the press release that I read, they never named the promoter of the card. It was just a, a it was, the quote was a spokesman from the streaming service, which they didn't even name the person or put a, a contact name for the <laughs> streaming service. It was just a really very strange. I mean, I'm sorry, I've been doing this for a long time and maybe it's all on the up and up, but my, 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 Bullshit antenna radar was going <laughs> off like like crazy when I read that. Which is the be-
0: Hey, that is one of the best parts of what you do and why we love you so is you're <laughs> forewarning us. I mean, okay, let's just say it one I'm more on way. Like, and I'm then bullshit get here. red alert. Let's, let's say it 5. one more way. Okay, let's say it one more way. On a scale of one to ten, the fight absolutely happens. The one being no way it happens. The Rayfield number as we release this recap podcast that the Crawford fight that's being announced happens is where on the range one to
1: 10. I'll call it like maybe about a six and a half. Okay. So fair enough. I kind of think it will happen, but I'm not totally sure. And one of the things that makes me think that maybe it will is okay. The promoter for David Evanessi is Frank Warren, Frank Warren, coincidentally on October the 6th, and I went and looked up when I got the announcement announced a boxing event that he is promoting in Telford, England. And one of the fights on that undercard was supposed to be a David Evanesian defense of his European welterweight title. Obviously that fight is not going to happen on October 6th. if he's fighting Terrence Crawford. So uh, I feel like if that fight is off and, and you have a, an actual professional promoter uh, like Frank Warren involved, then he must think that it's actually happening, I guess, if he signed up his guy for the fight, but then again, maybe they just took the shot because I'm sure David Evanesian would be getting more, from if an outfit's paying Crawford 10 million, they're going to pay Avinessi and something, certainly more than he would get for a European title defense. So, uh, oh, absolutely, let's see how it plays out. I mean, the upshot is the bottom here. Here's what the upshot is A, we're not getting Crawford for suspense this year, and we're certainly not getting it no earlier than uh, February, and you know, and probably not beyond that either, uh, at least for a period of months till they can maybe get a new deal done if they can ever get a deal. And, uh, Crawford will fight, and we'll have to see what happens with, uh, with Errol Spence, who will he fight now? He's going to have, remember, they let this fight with Crawford get made and they were able to get around because of the step-aside deal that was made for the WBA mandatory against Amantus Stanionis. So now, if there's no Terrence Crawford fight in the immediate future, maybe now the WBA orders the Stanionis fight once again, which based on what they've been doing in terms of trying to get down to one champion per division, would seem logical that they would now reorder the Stanionis fight, who's also a PBC fighter. So again, Stanionis against Errol Spence, it's not a bad fight, by the way, at all it sure as hell, ain't Crawford and maybe it's February. So I'm 4th. just all cranky about a lot of things right
0: now. I know we're cranky on that, but there you go. There's the latest on that. And we'll let you know more as the Crawford fight gets closer on. Is it a reality or does this kind of dissipate? Does this not actually happen? And then we're back at the bargaining table about February 4th with Errol Spence. Maybe, maybe not. Don't know. Uh, for now, I think we're good. That covers everything from the weekend. Are you ready for another uh, week here to get underway? And again, Paul Silva uh, one of the bigger fights, Lomachenko also in action. Vasily Lomachenko also in action. We'll be in the preview mode later in the week. One more time, real quick.
1: Listen, it's not just Jake Paul and uh, and Vasily Lomachenko. You got Katie Taylor's back in action over in uh, in London on Saturday the 29th. You got the, the Zone card with uh, uh, Joseph Diaz Jr. against William Zapata on the 29th. So you got four shows that uh, have a definite amount of interest, whether it's Jake Paul, Lomachenko, Jojo Diaz and Zapata, or Katie Taylor. Uh, in her first action since the great fight with Amanda Serrano. So it's, uh, I don't I don't think I can say there are mega fights coming up in terms of uh, the upcoming weekend, but certainly things to be interesting. Fair
0: enough. Have a good week, my friend. I'll be back in touch with you. Um, and we did well for a Fight Freaks Unite podcast. Once again, thank you, Dan Rayfield.
1: I hope everybody enjoys their week and is in a much better mood than we are tonight. We're a little crotchety
0: this evening, but nonetheless, thank you for being with us. Make sure you're following or subscribing on the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. For now, it is done on the Fight Freaks Unite Recap. Bye.